Kath Irvine. Spring has sprung, I Kath. Good morning, Kim. And you're in Kakanui, which is just south of Oamaru. That's exactly right. A beautiful little seaside village. I'm looking out at the uh, estuary here and the willows sprouting, which is always a really, uh, you know, that's, that's spring when the willows start to green up. It is certainly here. And is it a nice day today? Glorious. Still water's sparkly. It's just lovely. I know. Wellington's um, having a very nice spell at the moment as well, uh, which is always interesting, isn't it? You know, Wellington. Um, No wind, (laughs) just calm, sunshine. So is it definite then? Can we assume spring is sprung? Because there's always that dangerous kind of false spring. Yes, and the weather will for sure go up and it will go down. So it's a very good time to do your best to keep your heads in the garden. It's so it's so exciting. I think that spring energy and that spring vibe gets you, doesn't it? And you feel like this big rush to get out there and get going. But just keep it cool and stick to your little and often rhythm of sowing and planting. And, and, and also... Um, just gradually cruise into the warmer, loving crops as the weather settles and really establishes itself. So hold so, back on the tomatoes. Well, the tomatoes are definitely for sure one, and um, they really need it warm. And what happens when you plant them early is they they struggle along, and the ones that you plant later that just thrive because they're in their happy temperature place – Um, end up doing far, far better. Um, Temperature is absolute key for all of our plants. In fact, well, the whole of nature is so finely tuned to to temperature. So we can really, if we can really just um, cruise it and take our time. I mean, at the minute, there's still lots of um, neat things we can be getting on with to be sowing anyway. And, um, And I just want to say too, like in regards to tomatoes and things, if you do actually have, well, perhaps you're up in Northland and it's really hot already, um, then then go for it if you've got those nice warm soils and, of course, if you have a greenhouse. Um, but if you don't have those things, then just, just wait it out a little while longer is all. When you talk about um, temperature, you do mean soil temperature, don't you? Ah, well, both actually. Is it? Yeah, both for sure. Yeah, so nighttime temperatures are also a, a, a good gauge too. So if you still need your beanie on to be walking around at nighttime, then there's an indication right there. Um, and But soil temperature and air temperature too. So if you can be getting into those, um, definitely the double digits, and um, and if you're mild temperatures at nighttime, like 13 degrees, that kind of thing, you're really walking into good tomato growing conditions and it may be that it's, it's really handy to have a gauge in your greenhouse as well for those of you with a greenhouse so you can start to see the highs and lows and when that temperature comes and also bear in mind it takes six weeks for a tomato to be ready to transplant so you've got you've got that time it's that little gamble isn't it you know what so, else um, what else is there no point in doing until things warm up a bit well, it's really that um, the peppers, the eggplants, basil, tomato. I'd also be waiting for um, that cucurbit family, the zucchini and the cucumber and definitely the melons and the squashes. They're probably the main ones. Oh, and let's not forget beans as well. Beans aren't 
aren't quite they can come in a little bit earlier. They don't quite need the same heat. But I thought beans, still... yeah, I thought beans didn't mind a bit of chill. Oh, a, a little bit, but really, if you can, if you can have a um, a soil temperature of at least fifteen degrees before you start putting them out, um, I would definitely say that in Wellington, it w- I would be very surprised if soils were fifteen degrees at the minute. Um, it just means they boost along really quickly. You can be, um, peas are great right now. That peas are an awesome crop to be planting now. Yeah. Um, they don't, they don't, they don't mind the cool at all. And all those wonderful, um, leafy greens, which I'm, um, so madly passionate about. And, um, and cabbages, though I know that there, that could be, um, not have, are you, you going to continue with your cabbage experiments, Kim, this year? I might, I might, I might. I wanted to ask you about my yeah. silver beet. Silver beet was always very reliable. And it self-seeded itself, self-seeded itself, seeded itself by its own, for itself. And so I've got this crop of silver beet, but it's stunted and small. What is the reason for ah. this? And I've given well, it, mostly. I've given it nutrition. Most well, it's going to be something to do with either. Uh, really, just checking with your soil is always the is always the first port of call. How does the soil smell and how does it look when you actually grab a handful of it beneath the plant? That's really your acid test. And if it's wormy and it smells nice and earthy, um, particularly sometimes if you've used um, bought compost, then you can have introduced I some imbalances. I have not introduced. <gasps> oh. I have not introduced bought. I just maybe they're too. <laughs> maybe they're too crammed up. Maybe there's not enough space for them. No, usually they will grow close together because if they self-seed, they'll self-seed as this wonderful carpet and then come up like this awesome jungle where you can just pick the biggest every now and then, which is all. It'll definitely just just look to your um, look to your soil. That'll be that'll definitely be the reason. All right. Um, always, always it is. Um, give it a sniff. It's such a good indicator the smell of how things are going as to as, as to what it's smelling like. If it's got a bit musty or it's got a little bit ammonary, you know that things are just just a little bit off and um and your, your sense of smell is such a um such a uh, keen guidance in your in your garden and i wanted this morning to talk it's a bit of a clumsy segue actually i don't know how i can make that um smoother but homemade seed raising mix i really wanted to talk about this morning because it's not always easy to buy really good mix and um and it's easier to make than people think than they realize so um you can, especially if you've got a worm farm, worm castings grow incredible seedlings, right. really fantastic. And mix it with a little bit of something gritty. So you might buy some vermiculite or if you you can get a little bit of river sand. And you don't actually need to, you don't need a lot of seed raising mix um, anyway. And if you've got a worm farm, you can be making just enough seed raising mix each time for what you need. You can also use your homemade compost, and this is where your sense of smell comes in. It's really important that your compost smells good and earthy before you use it with your seedlings because seedlings are a lot more vulnerable and they will react to imbalances a lot stronger, and we want your seedlings to get off in a in So a you need to make fashion. sure your compost has been properly cooked? It's properly mature, exactly. That's mm. right. Like you wouldn't want it. You wouldn't want it still hot. 
that being said, I mean, look, you know, if you look where seedlings sprout up around the place, they grow in the absolute darndest of places. Yeah, they they? Do. They're a lot hardier, a lot hardier than um, we give them credit for. And I think one of the main things is is to get the texture of your seed raising mix right so that it's nice and loose and free draining. You don't actually need a lot of food for a seed because they come complete. They're incredible things, seeds. They actually come with all the feed they need to get up and get going to that two-leaf stage. So it's not actually about a richness of food, a little bit, but more focused on the drainage and the warmth and barely moist. I would say that watering, over-watering, is one of the biggest reasons that seedlings fail for people. Oh, really? Getting it, getting it too wet. And, um, and the water displaces the air, and then you end up losing that lovely free draining. So you think how well how well seeds grow in gravel in the driveway, mm. always the bane of people's lives, but mm. there's that kind of example, you see, that lovely free drainage. Right. And so you can just, um, people can easily make their own seed raising mix more than often or not. I've even used, um, in, a, in desperate times, I've used many interesting things. Um, scraping underneath the avocado tree, which is, gets lots of compost and manure through the year, and digging out the lovely, it feels kind of peaty fabric underneath there. Ah. Um, and of course, and I always use that sense of smell to check and that sense of feel. So is that rather than thinking of a recipe per se, more trying to create that lovely open light fabric does that make sense yeah 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 and so i mean they may be determined but they're still quite delicate so they you know you don't you, you don't put something too tough for them to fight through yeah, that's exactly right. Otherwise, they'll they'll never make it. Those first little seeds are really, and in fact, it's quite fun. You can there's a there's a thing called chitting that you do if you want to find out if your seed is still viable or not because seeds have a you know they have an expiry date. They don't last forever, and you just lay your seeds on a, a moistened paper towel and sit it inside a Ziploc bag, um, and pop it somewhere warm. Um, on top of your fridge, your hot water cupboard, or if you've got a coffee machine, that's a good place, and um, and watch them sprout up. And it's a way that you can um, the way that you can check. And it's actually quite a cool thing to do if you're a beginner seed raiser because you actually get to see what part of the seed shoots out the root, what part shoots out the tops. You really learn quite a lot. If, if they do shoot while you're doing this little experiment and having this little play, you actually can very gently hold them by the foliage and poke them into a nice seed-raising mix and continue growing them on. This is called so chitting. A, chitting, yes. Very and well. it's the same thing you do that. It's the same thing you do with your potatoes sometimes. You know, some people like to sit their potatoes out before planting them and so they grow, so they grow sprouts. Because that'd be quite handy. Because I've got packets of seeds that I don't, you know, they're past their use-by oh, date, but they may yes. still be valid. So if they, absolutely. So yeah. if they do sprout, then they're yes. good. Yes, it doesn't. It doesn't that's... mean that they may be so old that they may sprout, but they may be inhibited further down the growth track. No, if no. they sprout, you're good to go. Okay. Yeah, if they've been stored well, and some seeds do last incre- a really long time. 
I've germinated a lot of old seeds, but I do I do just check them if, if I'm in doubt because it's such a quick simple a quick simple process. Good idea. And then. And so once you've got them going, and it's, it's another place to kind of try and keep your head and just really, really remember that little and often is the real, is the key to success in the garden. And to that end, just use little seed raising trays. It's quite a good way to tamper all your spring enthusiasm. So I quite like those, um, gosh, how big would they be? They're maybe about 10 centimetres by, they're just the, those little mini trays that you'll get six seedlings in at the garden centre. Mm. Not not the individual pods, but they're all one tray. Um, I quite like that size of tray for sowing seed in um, for that reason, because you, you can actually sow a lot in a small space. And in that very first sowing, when you pop your seed in, you can sow the seed really quite thickly and then once they've got their first two leaves up, then move them into a new container and spread them out um, just that little bit further in their new container. Oh, do you and mean dig you, them up and put them in a new container? Yes, it's called pricking on. And this process actually has your seedlings grow really nice and stocky. And I don't really want to strong. disturb them. Well, what you do first is you just water them before you move them, and that way um, they all they don't rip and tear when mm. they come apart. They come apart nicely. And don't forget, we've we've put them in this lovely sort of peaty, loose mix to begin with, so they come out really easily. And then you kind of you take get the clump out of that tray together, take them out in a little clump, and set them down. And just holding them by the leaves, you don't hold them by the stem because you wreck the plumbing hold them by the leaves and just gently tease them out and then this little move is quite artful you have a teaspoon is my favorite tool and you put the end of the teaspoon not the round end but the handle end and you push that into the soil of your newly prepared tray and at the same time you drop the root down there and then you just firm the soil around it and pull out the next one and you are going to sacrifice some of the seedlings we're not in the business of keeping every single one so any seedlings which are weak or broken or the really lanky tall spindly ones just pop them away in the compost and just choose the really strong stocky ones for this next phase of their growth right i don't know this, um, Do, is there any <laughs> advantage in moving them cats Yes, there absolutely is. Couldn't you put them in their second place in the first place, if you see what I mean? You could, for sure. But there's there's a something in growing in a community like that for seeds. They always will grow faster. Okay. It's just how it is. Mm. And But I think you should try this out because it's good to see with your own eyes. They definitely do. Also, the other thing is, if you're sowing a really fine seed, like a lettuce, which is tiny wee, um, you're going to have to manage somehow to <laughs> to sow them in such a way that they're going to come up at that sort of five-centimetre-odd kind of type spacing, which is trickier than you think because yeah, yeah. they're tiny little seeds. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah, right. the pricking on, growing them fast together and then prick them on. Um, it's a really quick, sweet little job and get them into their next container. And for small plants like, like lettuces, for instance, that will be their final destination. For bigger plants, they will end up having another pricking on. 
and it sounds like more of a mission than it actually is, but it is well worth it. The second pricking on for big things like tomatoes and broccolis and other bigger plants can go into, um, you can use um, those plug trays for them. You know the individual ones yeah. that you get at the garden, you just recycle those. And they fill that root cell out. I love those plug trays. Um, they fill the root cell out with their roots and the time to transplant them is when the roots are showing at the bottom and you just quite simply squeeze the plug and you get this lovely solid root which when you plant it out that root ball it grows so much faster that way they're fantastic plug somebody has suggested that i've got grass grubs that's why my silver beet is stunted have you got a quick remedy for that uh no not a quick one get right. your chickens in there Get your chickens on there, clean it up. But actually, have a look and see. That really is the... I will have a look and see, but what if I find I have? What am I going to do about it? Some things I just don't need to know. Put your chickens on there. What? (laughs) I haven't got chickens on there. I haven't got chickens anymore. Oh, haven't you? What? I know. I know. All right. Thank you. I will chess and prick. Thank you. (laughs) Nice to talk to you, Kath. Kath Irvine.